Grace, mercy, and peace are yours this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. A word from our Lord, from the Gospel of St. John. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it's Reformation Day, and so we do things all special-like. And by now, I think you know this story. Luther, 95 theses, big door, bigger fight. We know it's important, especially lately. And I don't think that it's just because of the big anniversaries. I think that it's because when we look around the church today, it looks kind of apathetic. Sort of like game two, do something. Because we hear that big story and we look around and it feels like something is missing. Like heroes, like passion, like a people who cared. Like maybe a church that stood against all odds that lived when everything else around it called for it to die. Because that part sounds kind of familiar these days. I don't think we do things all special like just to do some kind of sarcastic invite a Catholic to church day. And I don't think any of us are really here just to celebrate what would come to break the church so deeply that if I told you there were over 500 churches in San Antonio, you'd probably think that was a low number. And that doesn't even count the street preacher that told me I was going to hell a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> We're looking for heroes. That's why we do all this. We're looking for passion, for a little bit of fight, for a people who care, for a whisper of a hope that the church that stands today, against all odds, will make it one more generation because these are the dark and latter days. And so we will tell the Luther story one more time, maybe make a quip about selling indulgences to support a corrupt institution or prayers to saints or something else we learned along the way and try not to think too hard about our prayer chains and whether or not they're actually different just because our saints that we ask to pray for us are still on earth. Maybe we won't try too hard to think about why we want to celebrate a man who didn't want the denomination named after him in the first place. Maybe preach some manner of the following. One, Luther was awesome. Two, believe like he did. Three, be brave like he was. The irony almost gets lost because it is just a small mirror of the thing that Luther actually stood against. The thing that drove everything within the Reformation was not any single minor doctrinal point. There was a larger issue than any one single practice. It was the very foundation of the faith that had gone awry. The very foundation of the faith that was presented to the people in three simple steps. One, the Holy Roman Catholic Church is the only source of salvation. Two, assent to the doctrine of the church. Three, do what is in you. Do you see it yet? One, Luther was awesome. Two, believe like he did. Three, be brave like he was. Conform, try. 
works. And the thing is, Luther was a dumpster fire. Folks argue over what kind of mental disabilities he suffered under anxiety, easy depression, probably OCD, I wouldn't be surprised. It wasn't just that Luther saw some doctrinal problem and made good choices and put on a brave face. It's that he tried every last single thing that the church would point him to and never one time did he find any amount of peace within it. Luther was never the role model that makes Christianity look easy. He was never the hero that we think that we need in dark and latter days, the kind that makes Christianity look almost too easy, the kind that is just so in love with God and because of that, so happy all the time. I'll let you in on a secret that I didn't really figure out until after I put on the black shirt. I see a lot of people that love God, I really, really do, but as much as they love him, they still walk around bound to fake smiles and t-shirts with Bible verses on them as proof of their salvation. They walk around bound to the image of what Christians are supposed to look like when underneath, sometimes we feel nothing like the heroes we imagine. I see people chained to desperate hopes that nobody can actually see under this fake happy Christian me to see what is real chained to the effort of pretending to be something fake so that I can be accepted, loved, so that I can matter. We feel chained to the need to be more than we are, holier, happier, better. And the problem is, the more that we fake it, the more the expectations pile up. Because, hey, you're pretty good at it. Why wouldn't I expect more from you? And none of us, not a single one, is as great as the people around us want us to be. And sometimes even just pretending is too much. Sometimes we are so desperate to look just a little bit less ruined than we are. And it's fear. Fear of being really known, really seen. Because what's inside of me is ugly. It is full of selfishness, hatred, lust. The church calls it sin for a reason. Sin breaks stuff. That's why the Lord would forbid it. It hurts the people around you. It hurts you. It pushes you farther from God. We're pretty good at hiding it, but still, there is that guilt of knowing the truth that as much as I pretend, it doesn't change anything. It just gets harder and harder to carry around until you almost hope to get caught just so you can stop hiding. Because even what I can hide from everybody else, at least for a little while, God does see. And as much as we wish for one, we do not have a God that says, just, you know, do whatever makes you happy. Just sort of love me and it'll all be okay. Just believe hard enough and all things will be possible for you to do. None of that is in the Bible, not a single one. We will twist the quotes around to try and make it sound like it. But it is a lie. Go check. I promise. You have a God who threatens punishment for sin. You do. All of it. The pain that we inflict upon our neighbors that God loves. The way that we mistreat and disrespect him when we claim to love him so much. We know what we should be. We know the standard. Ten simple commandments. But we are not that. Anyone who practices sin is a slave to sin, and I know what that feels like, too. The thing is, the ironic 
thing is. The one place in the world that's set up to offer freedom from slavery, we put on the fake smiles and bind ourselves closer to the law. The one place in the world where you should be open to be a sinner, it is the hardest to confess your sins. We have made the church to be the one place in the world where you pretend, and the bar the one place in the world where you can be honest. And that is messed up. But we carry this privately because we are in love with a lie, and it is the same lie that the devil has told us since he has been in the garden to tell it. It is on you. So you better carry it. You better figure it out. You better love God enough to make it okay. And then all the devil has to do is just wait until we are teetering on the edge because we realize that we have not yet made all things possible no matter how hard we tried to believe. And then he gives us one little push, one little whisper. If you really loved God, why are things like this? And we fall. God sees you. God sees you sinking under the weight of all of it. Maybe not today. I hope not. But you have felt it. I would bet everything I own. And the truth is, the actual truth that sets us free, Christianity is not about how much you love Jesus. None of it. Christianity is about how much Jesus loves you. This is the truth that sets us free. This is the gospel. That the word of God was made flesh so that we can abide in him. That Jesus saw us suffering under the weight of our own sin and came down from heaven to be born of a virgin, to carry around our sin in this world, to suffer our consequences, our wrath, our punishment upon that cross for you. Jesus died so that your sins would be forgiven. And that is what love looks like. He would submit unto the slavery of sin and the punishment of death that you would be forgiven, that you would live. Look to that cross and see the freedom won for you. Your sins are forgiven you. Your sins do not belong to you. They belong to Jesus, and Jesus has paid the price. He has died. It is finished. You are forgiven. You are holy. You are worthy of love, not because of the fake smile or the t-shirt with the Christian Bible verses written all over it, but because of the cross of Christ where he bled for you and give, gave you white robes to wear in your baptism. That when it all seems too far away to help, you would remember that he has not even left that salvation hanging upon the cross. He has delivered it to you. He has delivered the salvation and the freedom won at Calvary by the Holy Spirit through means, through baptism, through communion, through the absolution. In the stead and by the command of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the forgiveness is brought to you so that when you need it most, you would not have to look for it, so that when you feel the least, the lowest, God would give you a new identity, a free identity. You are baptized. That is who you are. That is your most foundational identity. Holy. Baptized. And that is enough. And that is true. And that is freedom. So you don't need to put on the fake smiles here. You don't need to pretend to measure up here. You get to start out church telling the truth here. I, a poor, miserable sinner, knowing that this is the place Jesus is given to sinners. This is a place freedom is given to slaves. This is the place enough is given to people who don't measure up. Because every single day that we are not enough, 
Christ is enough for you. Every single day we have failed to fulfill the law, Christ has fulfilled it for you. And every last time we utter the prayer, Lord, have mercy, he already is merciful for you. Every day the old Adam, the guy who walks around as slave to the law, is drowned. And every day God would raise up a new man, perfect and free, to live before God in righteousness and purity forever, to serve him in his kingdom unto life everlasting. And that is what Luther fell upon when there was nothing else. That is what the Reformation is all about. It's not about poking fun at Catholics or having a million different denominations so you can make choices on Sunday morning. It's not even about heroes. It's about Jesus. And Jesus is here for you. This is his body. This is his blood for you to eat and drink. That the forgiveness that you cling to would be placed into your mouth that the forgiveness that you long for would be yours in a way that it cannot be anyone else's because you chewed it up and swallowed it. This is the word that we abide in. And so in him we are free, free from sin, free from bondage, free from death itself, free to lift up our heads and finally live. In the name of Jesus, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds unto life everlasting. Amen.